Hi, this is Rachel Collins, Principal Research Lead for Financial Management at APQC. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to APQC Podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is part of a series on internal controls, where we wanted to answer some of the many recent and important questions that we've received on this key topic. I'm pleased to be joined by Chris Doxey, an author, speaker, and management consultant who is passionate about improving financial processes. Chris has extensive experience with transforming financial operations, implementing self-audit tools, and automating internal controls. So without further ado, here's the chat. Hello, everybody. So today we are talking to our subject matter expert, Chris Doxey, um, from our new project on new developments in internal controls. And the topic for today's podcast is on Sarbanes-Oxley, or SOX, as many people uh, refer to it. And these questions that we're discussing with Chris actually came from you, the members and the customers. So hopefully these will be helpful. Wanted to start out, Chris, by um, just with a brief introduction, easing into the topic here. Can you tell us a little bit more about what is the Sarbanes-Oxley Act and what were the catalysts for SOX? Yeah, sure. Um, SOX was passed back in July uh, 2002, and um, it was passed due to some of the accounting scandals that we've all uh, heard about. But to be specific, those accounting scandals took place at Enron, WorldCom, Global Crossing, Tyco, and Arthur Anderson. And I think Adelphia comes in there as well, as well as HealthSouth. And what that resulted in is billions of dollars in corporate and investor losses. And what happened is the huge impact um, on the financial markets and the loss of, of general investor trust. And it's a U.S. law, SOX is a U.S. law, and what it's really doing is it's meant to protect investors from fraudulent accounting activities by corporations. And it also covers a lot of issues such as auditor independence, corporate governance, internal control assessments, and enhanced financial disclosure. It's a U.S. law, even though uh, JSOX is, is now implemented in Japan, but it's meant to protect investors from fraudulent accounting activities by corporations. And the controls that we think about for SOX are really safeguards over designated activities from a financial reporting process. And I have, I have a great uh, flow chart that, that I've used for years. And when we were in early days of SOX, we used to say, okay, what can go wrong? And if you think about that, not only for SOX, but for internal controls, um, we're really heading in, in the right direction. It's always thinking about what can go wrong in my process or in my company. What does SOX, what does Sarbanes-Oxley mean in terms of internal controls? Yeah, it, it, it actually sh it put a, a great light, a brand new light, I should say, on internal controls. And, you know, companies that had good, solid internal control programs and self-assessments we're in pretty good shape uh, when SOX requirements um, came along. But what we're really doing is we're safeguarding those activities. And they're also designed, the controls are designed to ensure that financial risk is, is not occurring. And um, 
they're look actually focusing on detecting and preventing those errors that cause any could cause any deficiency in the process itself. And what the controls actually look like, they focus on risk. And then uh, the intention is to reduce the number of moving parts. So looking at process improvement, preventing is the key, preventing a problem or preventing a, a fraud is key, detecting the red flags. And in the early days of SOX, we documented everything. And the interesting thing was, well, gee, we had hundreds and hundreds of internal controls, but there wasn't a lot of uh, time or effort to really think about, okay, am I reducing risk? And, and that's the whole purpose of SOX is to reduce risk and ensure financial reporting is accurate. But to go back and think about, okay, maybe I can reduce these controls because I want to make sure that they're reducing the prioritized risk. So basically, SOX did a lot for the wonderful world of internal controls and really solidified the requirements for reporting internal controls um, on an annual basis. And that is really the requirement of, of SOX uh, 404. And what we really look at is defining that scope using a risk assessment approach, determining the materiality and uh, focusing on mapping accounts from the balance sheet and um, you know locations and processes depending upon the size of your company. The third uh, area of, of scope definition is identifying those SOX controls. And we looked at um, key and non-key controls. What are, the, what are the key ones that should be prioritized? And what always is somewhat of a challenge is the entity level controls. That's where we're mapping the COSO framework to the structure of the company. And we're looking at things like effectiveness of board committees, the effectiveness of um, human resources, of management, and um, it's pulling all that together. And once everything is defined, it's sort of a divide and conquer approach, figure out where the weaknesses are and where internal controls need to be tested, reviewed, and, and, and possibly revamped. All right, terrific. Now, I know you spent a good amount of time as a practitioner, um, and now you do a lot of uh, presentations and uh, You've authored books and work with customers and clients. So in your, uh, in your experience, what is the quote-unquote best practice um, internal controls program look like, if you will, as it relates to SOCs and some of those key end-to-end um, finance processes? I think the big thing is, you know, again, all the processes that, you know, we, we talk about quite a bit during these, these podcasts, but one key word is accountability. And that's making sure that we're reporting results um, by business process owner and internal controls department, internal audit is reviewing uh, those results where appropriate. But there should be a schedule of, of testing and validating those controls. And it's usually created by business process uh, management. And not only the accountability is, is a key word there, but remediation. And that's really going back. And, you know, again, it's, it's not that difficult to identify a control weakness because if you've been, um, you know, familiar with the process, it it's could be staring you right in the face. But understanding um, how remediation plans need to be developed and executed. 
And it's really taking a look at uh, establishing, again, that governance and ensuring that management knows their responsibility for internal controls. And there's the uh, assertion process, of, you know, right up through the controller, CFO, and, and CEO. And what we, we look at is, well, gee, is, is SOX working? And what it's done is it's, as I mentioned earlier, it's strengthened internal controls and it's made the audit and accounting industry a better steward of financial statements. And, and you know, again, roles and responsibilities are, are very much um, clearly defined. And we're starting to fend off Enron-sized uh, your book bookkeeping or WorldCom bookkeeping disasters. And it's also increased criminal uh, penalties for various kinds of financial fraud. So if we go back to order to cash and what that looks like, it's, it's a set of risk and control matrices and ensuring that those are executed quarterly, uh, you know, monthly, quarterly, and certainly annually in a publicly traded company. And there are checks and balances and review points along the way. And we're making sure that that a whole structure and philosophy of accountability is in place. Would you say that all aspects of SOC should be implemented as a best practice? Um, for example, um, you know, public companies obviously need to do this, but what about for private companies? Yeah, I, I think from a best practice, it starts with, you know, again, what are you, what are you testing? How do you define your internal controls program? And are you looking at controls uh, in a, you know, on a regular basis? So I think the schedules that we talked about and starting out with that uh, definition of risk, really understanding where you, there is risk in your business process and ensuring the controls um, are in place to uh, mitigate that risk. And then if you find a control weakness, which you know, should be done in a somewhat timely manner, you know, as mentioned um, on, a, on a set schedule. And so having the standards of internal control, having the testing, the validation, and then um, ensuring that remediation uh, takes place and is reported up to at least the controller and you know the CFO, um, maybe you know certainly not um, as arduous and, and uh, formal as with a public company, but certainly having that type of structure in place is, is a best practice. And companies that were doing that certification um, at the business process level and having that um, you know validated and signed off by controller CFO. We're really in pretty good shape when when SOCs um, came around in, in uh, 2002. What kinds of metrics, specific metrics, um, do you feel that organizations should consider benchmarking related to their SOCs programs and testing? Yeah, that that's a, a question that um, is, is very appropriate because I know companies have struggled with that for a long time. Um, in the early days of SOCs, um, there are some organizations that spent uh, well over $100 uh, million dollars, um, for getting through the SOX uh, certification. And that included um, just the external costs, not even looking at the business process owners and a lot of these teams that we talked about. And we still look at costs, so that would be a, a metric. 
And that would be, you know, how much are you spending for internal consult or external consultants, um, external auditors, and um, really looking at um, what's the value. Um, the next one is um, the number of controls. Are we looking at the number of controls? And, um, you know, not just doing a scorecard, but looking at the effectiveness of those controls. Next is the number of findings or the number of issues um, by, you know, again, department. Of course, the number of controls would be by department, geography or business process area, the number of hours spent on SOCs. And then we're starting to look at, okay, are we using technology? Have we automated our SOCs process? Because there are tools out there that we've mentioned that can actually support the entire certification process. And that's kind of a roll up. Um, the next one is the percentage of controls that um, auditors could rely on, both internal and external auditors. And that meant that they didn't have to do additional testing or validation. And um, so, yeah, those are really the, the top um, six or so that I've seen as, as um, metrics that make sense for any SOX program. And we know that um, just from an outcome perspective, there's going to be an improved control environment, improved documentation, and less redundancy and higher quality controls, um, more time to add value, and partnerships with the business process owners. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Chris. I know our listeners are going to find this really valuable, and um, we really appreciate your time to comment on this really important topic. Okay. My pleasure. This is Rachel Collins. Thanks for joining us for this APQC podcast. We encourage you to check out Chris Doxey's books, the new Accounts Payable Toolkit, the Controllers Toolkit, the Internal Controls Toolkit, and the Fast Close Toolkit. For more insights, please visit apqc.org to see our new research collection on new developments in internal controls. Thanks again and have a great rest of your day.